So the month of November is upon us. What are we going to do with our evenings now that we don't have the World Series to watch anymore? Hmm? Wow. Well, November means the World Series, in fact, has come to an end. And yours truly went out bright and early Thursday morning to Dick's Sporting Goods. There we have it. All right. How many of you went downtown to the uh, parade yesterday? Anybody get down there? Few. OK. Anybody uh, get to any of the games here in DC? No? Anybody get to the final game in Houston? Now, who has that much money, right? So, how many of you watched it on TV? Yes, indeed. I think we all did. So, hometown team makes good. We are grateful for that. Well, this is a month of November. It means shorter daylight hours now. You all are be to, commend, to be commended. You're here on time this morning after the time change last night. November also means the dying back of the landscape around us. And here in the northern hemisphere, this annual cycle in nature mirrors what we hear about worship themes in this month of November. The dying back of all things. The of all things, the return of Christ as our King and Judge on that great and final day. And it all begins this weekend with this festival of all saints. Today we are especially mindful of that great cloud of witnesses, saints who have gone before us, whose life and witness influence us across the ages. But we're also mindful of saints among us here and now, fellow believers whose life and witness give us a sense of encouragement in our own journey of faith. And now in these closing days of the church year, we are reminded of hard things, our own human frailty, the uh, mortality that we all have. And rather than gloss over these things, we'd perhaps rather not think about our faith in our crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, calls us to speak the truth in love to one another. And we affirm this saving truth as we confess it together in the Nicene Creed. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We rejoice in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, as we confess in the Apostles' Creed. We are, together with all believers of every time and place, with the whole church on earth and in heaven, we are, by God's grace, all the saints through the cleansing blood of Jesus. And because of this, blessed are you. Jesus' words in the gospel lesson for today become the theme for preaching today. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching, the hearing, and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. Well, that gospel lesson today is a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7, and it begins today with 
Those words which Jesus speaks, blessed are you, they're commonly called the Beatitudes. But what does that word even mean, Beatitude? Well, like so many words in our English language, it has its roots in a Latin word, beatus, meaning happy. And that's exactly what it means in the original language of the New Testament here. To be blessed is to be fortunate, to be happy, to know God's favor. And again and again, Jesus uses this word, blessed. So when that word is used repeatedly within the span of just a few verses in Scripture, we ought to be paying attention to that. It's call for us to dig deeper and discern by the power of the Holy Spirit what is God telling us in his word, that particular word here especially. What would the Lord have us understand here? What does Jesus mean that you are blessed? Especially at times when it might not look or feel that we are blessed at all when we're poor in spirit, when we are mourning, when we are persecuted or reviled for Jesus' sake. Those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, pure in heart, those who are the peacemakers, Let's face it, these folks do not get much recognition in the world around us. They are usually not the movers and the shakers. Their names often don't appear in the headlines. They're largely unknown by the world. But they are known and they are dearly loved by the Lord because their trust is in him rather than in themselves. And because of this, blessed are you. Now, when we think of saints, this is probably what we think of over here, right? People who lived long ago, far away, names familiar to us in scripture, and we picture them etched in stained glass or carved in stone. People who enjoyed an especially close relationship with the Lord during their earthly life. We think of saints as almost superhuman, people who lived out their faith in ways that may, may feel us, make us feel kind of small and puny. And we may be tempted to think, well, I don't measure up to that. I could never measure up to that. I am no saint. People like Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Miriam, David, Elijah, Isaiah, Mary, Peter, Paul, and all of those larger-than-life figures recorded in the Old Testament and the New Testament and believers ever since then as well. They seem at times etched in glass. But in truth, they had their struggles just like we do. Faith for them was not always an easy thing. They made mistakes along the way. Scripture points this out. 
Well, Abraham, well, he passed off his own wife, Sarah, as his sister while being in Egypt, so he would not be in conflict with Pharaoh. Rather disingenuous. Well, Moses pleaded with God to send somebody, anybody else, to be his spokesman before Pharaoh. Moses also guilty of murder. Well, then we have David, guilty of adultery and complicit in murder. Elijah, who fell into such a deep, dark depression, he just wanted to die because he believed that he alone was the last living, God-fearing person in the land. Peter, Peter ever denied ever knowing Jesus at all. And Paul, who actively persecuted the church. I share this with you so that you know, like each and every one of us, God's saints of old were flawed and imperfect people. Like us, they were sinners in need of redemption. My friends, fellow saints, there are no heroes in Scripture because God alone is the hero in scripture. God alone is worthy of praise and honor and glory. There are no heroes in scripture except for the Lord who chooses to work through flawed and imperfect sinners like them and like us. And though we may struggle with thinking of ourselves as saints, that is what we are, as John tells us in that epistle lesson for today. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And that is precisely what a saint is a child of God. And so in addition to looking like that, God's saints, I would submit look like this as well. Ordinary, everyday people like you and like me who are children of God by the grace of God. Blessed are you. Now, we are children of God. We are blessed, not because of anything we've done, not because of our own goodness, not because of our own merits. We're blessed. We are children of God because of what God in Christ has done for us. That is God's gift to each and every person received by faith alone, through God's grace alone made known in Holy Scripture, God's Word alone, as we reaffirmed at our Reformation celebration last weekend. John's heavenly vision in today's first Scripture lesson makes this very clear. 
John, in his vision, saw that great multitude which nobody could number of people of every race and language and tribe all assembled before the throne and before the Lamb. And as John is taking all of this in, in his vision, one of the 24 elders comes and says, who are these clothed in white robes for purity and innocence with palm branches symbolizing victory in their hands? Who are these? And John very humbly but very accurately says, sir, you know. And that's when we're told, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes. They've made them white in the blood of the lamb. And that's interesting because this side of heaven, blood is a staining agent, not a cleansing agent, except for the blood of Jesus. They've washed their robes. They've made them white in the blood of the lamb for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Did you catch that? How the lamb is also the shepherd, both and. And that is a beautiful and comforting image to hold on to in life and in death. Today on this festival of all saints, we remember we give thanks to God for God's saints within the fellowship of this congregation who have died in the Lord this past year. We will remember them. We will light a candle in their memory at the baptismal font, remembering that it is through God's gift of holy baptism that we are born to a new and living hope, just as they were as well, reminding us that in Jesus, our risen, reigning, and returning Savior, even when we die, yet shall we live. Through the grace of God that's given in holy baptism, death is not the final word. Even death itself serves God's ultimate and good purpose. Even the grave cannot destroy the child of God. Death and grave together serve only to lead us from this life to life eternal. Through him who is both lamb and shepherd, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that good shepherd who walks with us even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is here in the Lord's Supper that this sacred union of God's people, the church on earth and in heaven is made especially real because together with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we are united as one in the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. And through this, blessed are you. My fellow saints, in the midst of life's struggles, when faith seems weak, 
when we feel discouraged or disheartened in our own journey of faith, let us take heart. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, scorning the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Because of all of this, blessed are you. Amen. <laughs>